Welcome back to another episode of Suiting Up Varsity, a podcast dedicated to the sound of the band, the smell of popcorn, the feel of an old letter jacket, the sight of teenagers hoisting trophies high above their heads, and most of all, to the grand history and fantastic stories of Nebraska prep sports. Join us as we look back in time at the great moments from a century plus of Nebraska high school athletics. It's time to return to our search for the greatest athlete in the history of each Nebraska high school. This episode, we travel to the center of the state, in the heart of the Loop River Valley, to Howard County. Interstate 80 travelers can find Howard County by exiting at Nebraska and heading north. Howard County starts just a few miles north of Grand Island itself. Howard hit its population peak in its history and in the history of Nebraska high school sports during the census of 1910. There were over 10,000 Howard County residents then. Today, there are just over 6,000. We'll be talking through the history of eight schools in this episode. The county had seven town high schools operating into the 1940s. Five of those had closed by the 1960s, the late 1960s. But one new consolidated school joined the ranks, leaving us three open schools to deal with and five historical ones. Let's start to the west of the county center on Highway 92 in the town of Farwell, where the Panthers wore red and white until they closed up the school in 1968. It's believed that Farwell only fielded a football team in one single autumn, 1960, so there's not a lot of gridiron history to rehash. Most of Farwell High School athletic history involves basketball, but before we get to the basketball court, we should note that Farwell is really a baseball town. The most famous baseball story is probably that of Howard Waltman. Waltman grew up in the Farwell area after being born back east. He arrived in Nebraska on the famous orphan train in 1912. At age five, he was, quote, picked out like a pork chop, unquote, and adopted by what he would call a hard-hearted farm couple. In 1979, he told the Journal Star, quote, It was a tough life with lots of beatings by other kids and mistreatment by the people who took me. Through all that, he became quite a ball player. At age 18, he was signed by the Boston Braves, and he spent a couple of years in their Atlanta minor minor league farm team. Uh, That dream ended when his adoptive parents demanded that he return home to help with their Great Depression-ravaged farm. That didn't keep him from the game he loved. He spent a couple of decades playing semi-pro baseball around the state while working for the Burlington Railroad and later for the Nebraska Penal Complex. After his playing days, he brought baseball to a whole community. Living in Crete, he organized and funded the Little League there by himself. Eventually, he added a girls softball league and coached up to four youth teams a summer. Crete named its ball field at Tuxedo Park after him, and most of Saline County knew him as Mr. Baseball. When he received that honor, he said, quote, After all I went through, I swore to help every kid I could, and baseball was one way to do it. He may be the greatest sportsman in Farwell community history, but I don't have much record of him at Farwell High. For that, let's go to the basketball court. A couple of seasons, 30 years apart, stand out in Panther history, 1926 and 1956. 26 was, of course, the year of the big tournament, when 339 schools competed in 22 classes in Lincoln. If you haven't listened to our episodes about that tournament and its aftermath, you can find them deeper in the feed. 
Farwell took advantage of that deep tournament field and competed in the lowest of the 22 classes, Class V. The Panthers rolled through the Johnson Eagles and the Bingham Bulldogs in the first two rounds before running into another set of Panthers. Lee High School sent Farwell home 13-2. Farwell competed in another All-Comers tournament in 1927, but lost to Hyannis in the opening round. The Red and White won their first district and regional titles to qualify for the Class D state tournament in 1949, but the McLean Wildcats sent them right back home 40-32. McLean is about 30 miles north of Norfolk between Randolph and Osmond, and yes, I had to look that up. The result of that game was probably not a surprise. The World Herald reported that Farwell had no home gym and had not been able to hold a practice between regionals and state because their outdoor court was unusable in the weather. In 1956, though, Farwell qualified again for the tournament. This was in the Class E bracket of the 6th class late 50s system. They beat small school power Sprague Martell in the semifinals. Remember, it was only a four-team state tourney bracket in those days. The Panthers were led by six-foot-one Paul Collison, a high-scoring All-Stater. They faced the defending champion Holstein Wildcats in the final. The Panthers stayed close for three quarters behind the scoring of Collison, who had 15 through three. He twisted an ankle early in the fourth, though, and the champs pulled away. Collison finished with just 16 for the game, and the Panthers took home the runner-up trophy. They would never return to the tournament, and the school closed in the spring of 1968. Paul Collison, though, stands out as our greatest Farwell Panther of all time. South for our next school. In the southwest corner of the county, along the banks of the Middle Loop River, is Bolus, where Bo the Bolus High School Bears wore blue and gold. Bolus was active and successful in the early all-comers state basketball tournaments. In 1918, they beat Randolph in overtime to claim the Class G championship. That was the seventh of eight brackets that year. But the other Bear wins in the tournament over Burwell and Louisville make that tourney run look impressive today, considering all three of those schools are still alive and kicking 103 years later. The Bears returned to Lincoln in 1923, and won Class M with a 19-17 thriller over the Ong Red Devils. Class M was the 13th of 15 classes that year. Bolus repeated in M in 1924. This time, uh, there were 16 brackets by shellacking Arnold 30-8. Those back-to-back -back triumphs in 16-team brackets and Bolus's judicious choices of when to show up at those all-comers tournaments meant that the Bears had won their first 11 state tournament games they played in. Possibly a state record? I don't know. Maybe when I'm sitting at the tournament sometimes between games studying the program, I'll check that out. Uh, they lost to Goner 22-8 when they came back to Lincoln in 1929 for the last of the all-comers tourneys, uh, ending the streak, and the Bears never qualified during the district-slash-regional system. And no individual stars from those early teams have really crossed my radar, so we'll have to look to other sports in search of our bolus goat. Bear football history is limited. I think they only took to the gridiron from about 1953 until 1965, and I have no record of rated teams or all-state players. On the track, though, we find a couple candidates. James Simdorn tied for fifth in the Class D pole vault in 1962. 
Sim Dornum is a name we'll hear, we're going to hear again later in Howard County history. But for our greatest bear ever, I'm going to go to the discus ring in 1956 where Quentin Nitsch finished second in Class D for the highest state track finish in school history. I'm naming Quentin Nitsch the greatest bolus bear of all time. Bolus High closed in 1967 when they joined a school from Hall County, Caro, and another Howard County neighbor, Danabrog, to form Centura High School. We'll get to the Centurions later, but first let's look at the history of the blue and white Danabrog Eagles. During the early days of the state basketball tournament, Danabrog was a near constant presence. The Eagles played in nine of the ten state carnivals in the 1920s. They qualified for the tournament during the first qualification year, 1925, beating the Verdant Bulldogs in the first round before losing to the eventual Class C champion, uh, Indianola, in the quarterfinals. The Eagles were state runners-up in 1927 in Class F, the sixth of 16 brackets that year, losing to Litchfield after defeating Sutherland, Bertrand, and Gordon. Two years later, they were the Class D state champions, capturing the fourth of eight brackets. They had downed Loop City for the Class B Grand Island District Championship in order to qualify. I remember that year we had a hybrid qualification where you could either win 60% of your games or win a district. Uh, the blue and white uh, walloped Pender in the state opener before battling Scribner in the quarterfinals. Team captain Gil Lorentzen felt that that win was the key. Quote, they made us work for it, he said after the 22-14 win. They were the team we were afraid of. We're going to take the class now. He was right. Danabrog rolled Osceola 31-10 in the semis and held off Stockham 16-10 in the final. The game was 12-10 entering the final quarter when the Eagles took control. The Eagles' basketball success continued in the next decade. Danabrog qualified for the 1930 tournament by winning the Grand Island Area Small School District title with a win over the Phillips Pirates and then advancing through the big school regional until falling to the host Islanders in the final. Both teams qualified for a trip to Lincoln with the Eagles placed in the Class B bracket where they beat Curtis and Lebanon before falling to eventual state champion Barniston in the semis. In the 1931 one-class extravaganza, Danabrog stormed through the Palmer District, beating the host Tigers in the final, and then advancing uh, to the Grand Island Regional. There, the Eagles downed bigger schools Burwell, North Loop, and Ravenna. In the regional final, they once again ran into the host Islanders, falling 26-18 and falling just one step short of the state tournament. By the way, if you check out our webpage at suitingupvarsity.org, uh, we've got a new rendering of that 1931 one-class tournament, the whole bracket from districts through regionals to the state, uh, all the teams uh, that participated. Uh, it's pretty interesting to look at that and see a lot of the uh, town names uh, that, of course, disappeared from the sports uh, pages. All right, continuing... Uh, Danabrog qualified uh, for state again with another district championship in 1937. They downed the North Loop Challengers to win the Elba District Tournament. A couple of lads named Hanson and Mortensen led the way and were named the all-tournament team. They couldn't keep the magic going at state where Octavia High School eliminated them 19-13 in the opener. Octavia, which closed in 1946, may or may not have been nicknamed the Otters, a name that was used by town teams into the 1990s, but I've never been able to get a hard confirmation on the Octavia Otters. 
1937 trip was Dannebrog's last time in the big dance. It wasn't the end of their athletic glory, though. The 1950s saw high times for the Eagles on the football field. In 1956, Dannebrog, led by All-State end Bob Madsen and All-State back Donald Johnson, completed an unbeaten six-man regular season and won the Central Loop Conference Championship. The Eagles' season ended with a postseason loss in the Hastings Big Brother Bowl to the uh, state champion Ruskin Indians. Those two football players are good GOAT candidates, as is 1955 All-Stater Jerome Geiger and the Eagles' one and only track medalist, a 1936 miler named Brown. But I think I'm going to pick the captain of the 1929 state basketball champs, Gil Lorenzen, as the greatest athlete in Dannebrog High School history. The other two closed town schools are in the northern half of the county. Cushing, in the northeast section, was the home of the Hawks until 1954. Always a very small school, Cushing did compete at state basketball in 1924, losing to Oak from Knuckles County in the first round of Class O, the 15th of 16 brackets. They also played basketball districts quite a few times through the 30s and 40s, but the purple and white never had a lot of success. In the big 1931 tournament, they went out in the first round to Dannebrog. In 1940, they were in the Class C district in Elba and lost to the hosts in the opener. Class C was the smallest class that year. That's about the extent of uh, Cushing Hawk history uh, that I've been able to find, which leaves me with no candidates for greatest athlete. Cushing High closed in 1954. And if the Cushing Hawk history is a little thin, the records of their neighbors to the West, Coatsfield High, are practically invisible. They did play fall baseball in 1931, and they had basketball games scheduled in 1934. <laughs> but that's where the trail runs cold for me. Really, I'm not sure how much more sports history uh, they have. They may not even have more uh, than the than the grade 9-10 high schools in Nygaard, Fairdale, and Harmony, uh, three other Howard County uh, communities that never show up on the sports pages. Uh, another Howard County community, St. Laborie in the southeast corner of the county, may be famous for its melons, but it doesn't seem to have ever had a high school. Maybe it was just always close enough to Grand Island? That leaves us with the three high schools still open in Howard County. The smallest of the three is Elba, where the Blue Jays confound color expectations by wearing purple and gold. Elba, smack in the middle of the state's smallest classification, D2 today, has always been one of the state's smallest schools throughout its history. In 1936, the Blue Jays played in the state basketball's Class C, then the smallest class. That year, they lost to Kearney A.O. Thomas, the teacher ed high school at Kearney State. The Blue Jays were back at state in 1944, 45, and 46, and then they were in Class D, the new smallest class. By 1958, the state was experimenting with six classes, and Elba's, Elba, they were playing in the smallest, Class E. Despite always being the little guy, Elba has some great history and great GOAT candidates. One of those great athletes comes from the early, early days of prep sports in Nebraska, an era I've come to think of as the prehistory, when newspaper accounts are scarce and other records sparse. And you're never quite even sure uh, if a high school was competing or not sometimes. 
Major League Baseball Hall of Fame pitcher Grover Cleveland Alexander grew up in Elba and presumably attended school there as part of the class of 1904. Just seven years later, he embarked on a major league career that would last 20 seasons with Philadelphia, Chicago, and St. Louis. He'd win the 1926 World Series with the Cubs and lead the National League in... um, That's not right. The Cubs didn't win the World Series in 1926. He played in the World Series with the Cubs in 1926 and led the National League in uh, wins, strikeouts, and ERA in multiple seasons. He was elected to Cooperstown in 1938 before returning to Howard County, where he died in St. Paul in 1950. Blue Jay team history hits its first high point in those early state basketball appearances. Uh, the 1946 team won a 35-34 thriller over the Venango Panthers in the quarterfinals before losing to the Ong Red Devils in the semis. Arnold Luke led the Jays with 14 points in the win over Venango. Elba survived uh, with the win when the Panthers missed two free throws in the waning seconds. Um, that is the only state... Uh, tournament win ever for Elba, which returned to state in 1958 and 1963, but bowed out in openers. Elba's best team may have been the 1945 outfit that lost to defending state champion Hildreth in the state tourney opener. The Blue Jays led that one 22-16 at the half, behind the scoring of all-stater Wayne Sintek, but the Hounds had a star too, Dwayne Freeman, who led the comeback while pocketing 25 points for himself. The 1958 Elba team that lost to the Byron Broncos in Class E State was led by All-Stater Don Nowak. The 63 team that fell to the Maywood Tigers was led by Junior Lee Jacobson. Jacobson would be a two-time All-Stater in the World Herald's short-lived small school division. Arden Swoboda uh, would earn the Blue Jays' last All-State boys basketball honor in that division in 1965. By then, Elba was starting to have some success on the football field as well. The 1958 team went undefeated playing eight-man football. The 1962 squad repeated that, winning all nine of its games. Neither team found its way into the big city papers in either the top ten or the all-state lists, but the 1962 bunch had a couple of notable athletes in Lee Jacobson and Randy Rasmussen. Jacobson would win the Class D shot put with 53-plus effort in 1964. And Rasmussen was fourth in the shot in 63 and then went on to much bigger things. He earned all-conference football honors four times at Kearney State while also competing in track for the Lopers. He was then drafted by the New York Jets and had a 15-year professional football career, starting 199 games in the Jet offensive line, including their Super Bowl III World Championship win. Elba had shifted to six-man football by the time the school won its first NSAA playoff game in 1988. All-state back Brad Lassen led the 25-22 triumph over the Arcadia Huskies. All-state punter Mark Wells led the Jays to the six-man state semifinals in 1996 and then all the way to the finals in 1997 when he became Elba's first two-time All-state gritter. The Blue Jays uh, may have been a brother act that year, as Wes Wells was also named All-State. Elba lost to Benedict in the second-to-the-last six-man title game ever played at Memorial Stadium. When the state association moved away from six-man ball for a couple of decades, starting in 1999, Elba stayed with it. 
most of the time on their own, but co-oping with North Loop Scotia for at least 2012, when Jared Moody earned All-State recognition. Wes Wells of that 97 football team was also a state track medalist, bringing home a second place in the high jump in 1997 uh, and a fifth place in the shot put in 1998. The Blue Jays' most recent track champion was sprinter Brett, uh, Brad Lassen, who, uh, who won the 1989 Class D 100 and placed in the 200. Alan Dush won four career medals for Elba in the mid-80s, highly, highlighted by a high hurdle state championship in 1983. Elba is our first Howard County school to survive into the Title IX era and compete statewide in girls' athletics. The Blue Jay girls basketball program has been to state six times, competing in the D2 semifinals in 96 and 99. Rhonda Wells led the first state tournament Blue Jays in 1979 and was a consensus two-time All-Stater, averaging 21 points in 1980. She was also an All-State volleyballer, leading the Jays to the 1979 state semis. Uh, the 1996 basketball team was led by another two-time All-Stater, Tanya Dugan, who scored 24.5 points a game as a junior. In 1999, the All-Stater was 5'9", Sarah Wysocki. The Blue Jays' last All-State round baller is 5'11", Ashley Wells, who starred in 2002. Wells was even more successful on the volleyball court and was named All-State three times from 1999 to 2001. Yet another Wells girl led Elba to even greater heights in 2004 when they were the uh, D2 state runners-up, beating Hampton and Clearwater before falling in five sets to Paxton in the final. Melissa Wells was the All-State captain that season. Elba returned to state in 2005 and 2006, and uh, Christina Hedrick was All-State both seasons. It's an interesting quirk of history, or, or a grave mistake in my data, that despite all that basketball and volleyball success, Elba has never had a girl state track medalist. It's a close call for the greatest Blue Jay girl athlete, and all the finalists are named Wells. I think I'll take that as a signal and declare it a three-way tie. The greatest girl athletes in Elba High School history are Rhonda Wells, 1980, Ashley Wells, 2002, and Melissa Wells, 2005. On the boys' side, the common thread is not last name, but rather national impact. I think I'll have to declare a shared award there between Elba's two national stars, uh, Major League Baseball's Grover Cleveland Alexander from 1904 and the National Football League's Randy Rasmussen from 1963. The biggest high school in the county also has its longest athletic history. The St. Paul Wildcats have six basketball state championships, including one captured by winning one of the most exciting title games ever played. The Wildcats wear blue and gold, but they haven't always been the Wildcats. In fact, in their first golden era, the newspapers called them the St. Paul Saints, or even the St. Paul Apostles. Like neighbors Danabrog and Bolas, St. Paul was a fixture in the early days of state basketball, playing in 10 straight from 1920 to 1929 and winning four state championships and one runner-up trophy. The Saints slowly climbed brackets during the all-comers era. St. Paul played in Class H and Class I lower brackets in 20 and 21 and lost in the first round each time. From 22 to 24, they had moved up to the Class G bracket, which uh, was about the sixth of 15 or 16 brackets in those years. And then they found a lot of success. 
They beat Cedar Bluffs and Waverly in 1922 before falling by one point to the Talmadge Bulldogs in the semifinals. In 1923, they reversed that result and beat Talmadge 11-10 after trailing at halftime of the semifinal. They then handled Ashland 25-11 in the first of the school's uh, four state titles. A lad named Conklin led a balanced apostle attack that day. In 1925, the program made a big move up. In that year of district qualification experimentation, the Saints moved up to Class B at State after being the runners-up in the Grand Island Class A district. Central City had upset the host Islanders in the semis and then held off a hard-charging St. Paul comeback in the district final. At State, Central City and St. Paul were both placed in the same Class B bracket, and this time the Saints came out on top. The Bison lost to the Huntley Bearcats in the first round, while the Saints beat Shadron Prep, Big Springs, and Meade to make the state final. They won their second title there in three years when a lad named Webster hit a one-handed toss from the sideline in the last 20 seconds to beat Alma. The lead had changed hands repeatedly through the second half. A.L. Dance was the St. Paul star and was honored as their first ever All-Stater. They almost grabbed another title in 1926. Placed in Class C of the biggest ever tournament, the Saints beat Potter, Arlington, and Omaha Benson. The Suburban Bunnies had never played in the Class A bracket at that point in their history. In the final, it was another last-second shot, but this time St. Paul was on the wrong side. In a game when both teams struggled from the outside, no one was surprised when it was an offensive rebound putback that decided it. A Wahoo player named Lindley scooped up a miss and hit what the Lincoln paper called a million-dollar toss to beat the Saints, 9-8. Off of that run of success, St. Paul was placed in its first Class A bracket in 1927. They stumbled against Fremont in the first round that year, but they came back with a vengeance the next year. Led by the All-State trio Keith Davis, Art Lynch, and Everett Davis, the Saints survived a nail-biter with Norfolk, uh, in the opener, winning 17-12 to in overtime. After that, it was all Saints, beating Kearney 25-4, Crete 18-14, and Grand Island for the state title 18-11. The same big three returned in 1929 for another Class A title. This time, the tight game was in the final. One of the best games ever. After big wins over Geneva, Crete, and York in the preliminaries, the defending champs were looking down the barrel of a four-point deficit to Hastings with just 30 seconds left in the final. A Lynch field goal from the free-throw line was followed by a quick steal and a layup at the buzzer by a lad named Ralston Swallow, uh, and it turned a seeming Hastings win into an overtime contest. The Saints controlled what the papers called a high-paced overtime with Lynch doing all the St. Paul scoring for a 25-22 win. Four state titles in seven years, two of them Class A overall state titles. An amazing run for the Saints or the Apostles or whatever you want to call them. It wasn't only basketball. St. Paul was an early wrestling adopter in the state attending the first state championships when it was dominated by big schools like Lincoln High, Omaha Tech, and Omaha South. Saints Milroy, Harvey, and Martin Barrett were two of the first three-time state wrestling champs in state history in the early 30s. Apostle Jack Martin swept the high and low hurdles of the 1930 state track meet. Throw in an undefeated 1927 football team, and you have quite an athletic dynasty of that era, all under the direction of Coach Pat Panic.
That dynasty ended when Coach Panic left for Norfolk. But his coaching career was just gearing up. After Norfolk, he'd go to Colorado and eventually coach for 53 years and amass well over 300 career football wins. He'd win 16 city football championships and two state titles at Denver East High School. Uh, He is in both the Colorado and the Nebraska High School Hall of Fames, in addition to the Hall of Fame at his alma mater, Kearney State. My famous, my favorite Coach Panic stat, he coached his first game when Calvin Coolidge was president, and he coached his last when Jimmy Carter was in the Oval Office. His St. Paul Stars, or Top Apostles, if you will, also moved on, of course, after high school. Uh, They had been more than just basketball players. Both the Davises and Lynch had played on that unbeaten 27 football team. Keith Davis had been an all-state football player in both 27 and 28 and earned five medals at the state track meet, including the Discus State title. Art Lynch finished second in the Class C pole vault in 29, and Everett Davis swept the javelin and shot put titles that year. After high school, the Davis boys, Keith and Everett, I'm not sure of the relationship of any, headed west. They both lettered playing football for Oregon State under the tutelage of Hastings native Paul Schlissler. Art Lynch stayed closer to St. Paul, but his name would pop up in the papers as he continued to play town team basketball. In 1935, he was on a squad of Howard County boys who took on the world-famous Harlem Globetrotters when they visited St. Paul. The Globies were on a barnstorming trip through the Cornhusker State that included stops in Genoa, Grand Island, Hastings, and Columbus as well. Ray Toman, another saint from the era, lettered in football and high-jumped at Nebraska. For St. Paul, though, it was the end of a golden era, a stark end. After those four rapid-fire state basketball championships, they wouldn't qualify for the state tournament again for 66 years. They won some Loop Valley Conference championships like the 34 basketball crown, and they finished in the Class B state track top 10 in 1938 behind Walter Nielsen, who won the low hurdles and grabbed three other medals. But they wouldn't make many ripples on the state scene for quite a while as they transitioned from being the Saints to being called the Wildcats. Even when St. Paul put together back-to-back 8-0 football seasons in 56 and 57, uh, the Wildcats' schedule didn't impress the State Raiders enough to find a spot in the top 10. Lineman Leroy Jeffries did earn All-State honors in 56, and on-the-track sprinter Don Sias earned five state track medals in 52 and 53. St. Paul was a charter member in the Lou Platt Conference when it opened up in 1958, uh, competing in that primarily Class C league, uh, Gerald Schenck earned All-State basketball honors in 1965. And the Wildcats put Dale Rubish on the All-State football list in 1969, but it didn't produce any statewide team success. In 1967, the Wildcats jumped to the Central Conference, uh, but returned to their Lou Platt roots in 1973. The 1976 footballers earned a tie for 10th in the Class B ratings, and defensive lineman Pat Berman was a consensus All-Stater. In 1981, John Christensen was All-State basketball and won a couple track medals in the 800 and 1600. In 1986, St. Paul qualified for the football playoffs for the first time. It was when the calendar turned to the 1990s, though, that another golden age dawned in St. Paul. It started with a big guy. 
Jeff Ogard was an all-Nebraska lineman in 90 and 91, won a couple heavyweight wrestling crowns, and three state track medals, including the 1991 shot put state title. He went on to start in the Nebraska defensive line in 1996 after serving as a backup on the back-to-back national championship teams. Then in 1993, the uh, the girls got the Wildcats back on the uh, state's top basketball stage. Jennifer Warner, a two-time All-Nebraska pick, led the Wildcats to the Class B state finals in 1992 when they lost to Lincoln Pius X and 1993 when they brought home the school's first girls' state championship with a 39-32 win over Schuyler. Warner was also a volleyball All-Stater. In 1995, the boys got back in the act. They won the C1 state basketball bracket with wins over Hardington Cedar Catholic, Grand Island Central Catholic, and Fairbury. The GICC semifinal went overtime, but Wildcat All-Stater Brandon Wardeen took over, scoring seven in a row to key the win. Wardeen would be All-State again in 1996 as St. Paul returned to the state final, this time falling to Wahoo. It was uh, St. Paul's first state tournament loss since falling to Fremont in 1927. They had won 13 straight games in Lincoln, stretched around that 66-year gap in tournament appearances. Wardeen was also an all-state tight end in football. The point guard on those teams, Lauren Kaiser, would let her four times as a defensive tackle at Nebraska. Yeah, you heard that right. Point guard, defensive tackle. The Wildcats made the football playoffs three times in the 90s and another 11 times since. The deepest run was the 2019 team when two-time All-Stater Tommy Robleski uh, guided them to the C2 state semifinals. The Wildcats have had some standouts on the track and the mat in recent decades as well. Matt Cooper won the Class C 200 meters in 08. Uh, Miles Griffith won the high jump in both 16 and 17, and David Gross won a pair of state wrestling titles in 2015 and 16. Warner isn't the only candidate on the girls' side. Uh, Elaine Stefanowski was All-State Basketball in 1975 and medaled in the Class B high jump in 74 and 75. Karen Kulwicki uh, won the half mile in the 1972 meet. Kim Swoboda swept the Class B shot and disc in 2001. In recent years, the volleyball program has had a lot of success. Uh, Paige Lukasevich uh, was a three-time All-Stater as the Wildcats finished second in C1 in 2019 and third in 2018. Brooke Poppert was All-State on that 2019 team and earned the same honor in basketball as she led the Wildcats to the C1 semifinals in 2020. Olivia Poppert uh, has already uh, been named All-State Volleyball twice, uh, heading into her senior year next fall. I think I agree with the Twitter consensus, though, that Jennifer Warner uh, of the class of 1993 is the greatest girl Wildcat athlete of all time. On the boys' side, I think I'll go with the big guy, the Husker footballer and state wrestling and track champ Jeff Ogard as the greatest St. Paul Wildcat of all time. And that brings us to the newest high school in Howard County. Danabrog, Bolas, and Caro combined in 1967 to form Centura, named in honor of the state of Nebraska's centennial celebrated that same year. The Centurions are one of only two schools that list Burgundy as their school color. The other is Cass County's Conestoga, 
which considered uh, consolidated a decade after Centura. Now, I don't really know the difference between Burgundy and Maroon and exactly how to tell the difference, but I'm sure Centura and Conestoga grads can straighten me out. Interestingly, the first football game in Centura High School history was also the first football game in the Centennial Broncos history, uh, as we mentioned in our, uh, in our uh, episode where we kind of told a bunch of stories. Um, it took less than a decade for Centura, though, as a new school, to claim its first state title. Earl Souter and Ron Mostek led the uh, Centura cross-country team to the 1976 Class C crown, edging Bayard by a single point. Souter was third individually with Mostek eighth. Souter also medaled at state track in 76 and 77. The Centurion Harriers would claim a second state title 10 years later in 1986 and again by a single point. This time Centura outpaced Malcolm by the thinnest margin. Steve Nielsen led the way with a fourth place finish. The spring before, Centura had won Class C state boys track. Dave Bell and Joel McDonald led the attack, winning the 800 meters and the high jump, respectively. The Centurion's first uh, state track champion individually was Stan Stubbs, who set a new Class C record in winning the pole vault in 1970. Four years later, in 1974, Tim Mohanna became the school's first two-time champion when he won his second uh, high jump state title. He held the overall state record for a few hours before Hastings' Doug Phelps took it back in 74. Mohanna was also Centura's first all-state basketball player. The consensus pick averaged 22 points a game as a senior and went on to have a great career at Kearney State. In 1992, Jamie Haddenfelt won the 1600 meters and ran a leg on the champion 4x8 relay as Centura finished second in Class C. Two years later, Kenny Bogus swept the 100 and 200 as the Centurions again took home the state runner-up trophy. In 1990, Jason Simdorm won the, the hurdle high hurdles uh, to go with his four other career track state medals. Uh, the fall before, he had led perhaps Centura's greatest boys team into the Class B state football playoffs. Centura has been in the C1 or C2 playoffs six times, but it's their one trip up to Class B that produced the most memorable fall in school history. Simdorn uh, was All-State along with Todd Gallagher as Centura advanced to the semifinals. They opened the playoffs that year with a road upset of Broken Bow. Simdorn threw for four touchdowns and ran for another in a 34-29 shootout win. In the quarterfinals, Centura hosted traditional Class B power Lexington. Simdorn scored on a 35-yard interception return, but it looked like it would all be for naught when Lex scored on a punt return in the fourth quarter to take a 13-12 advantage. Simdorn and the Centurions weren't done, though. He led the Burgundy down the field, and Brian Meyer hit a 26-yard field goal with just 45 seconds left for the 15-13 win. Centura fell the next week in the semifinals to Pierce, 7-0, but that win over Lex will always be one of the biggest in Centurion history. Simdorn would walk on and letter for the Cornhuskers in Lincoln. The win over Lex is close to tipping the scales for me towards Simdorn uh, as the greatest athlete in Centura history, but I think I'm going to stick with the basketball star and high jump record setter, Tim Mohanna, as the greatest boy athlete in Centura high school history. Centura's greatest team accomplishments are on the girls' side, a state volleyball title and two runners-up trophies in basketball. Uh, 
The 1988 volleyball squad heads the list. They defeated Fremont Bergen, Norfolk Catholic, and Centennial to capture the Class C-1 championship. All-Staters Jana Hochstetler and J.C. Johansson keyed the run to the title as the Centurions dropped only one set in the entire tournament. Hochstetler uh, was also a great high jumper. She tied for the Class C championship as a freshman, leading Centura to a third-place team finish. She medaled in the high jump every year of high school, culminating with a Class C and all-class gold medal as a senior in 1989. J.C. Johansson was also a two-time All-State basketball selection, leading Centura to state in 88 and 90. She moved on to Hastings College, where she was inducted into the Hall of Fame there after being an all-conference performer in both basketball and softball. Her sister, Gina Johansson, uh, was three times All-State from 1999 to 2001 and helped Centura bring home two runners-up finishes. They beat Ponca and Palmyra in 2000 before falling to Sandy Creek in the C2 final. And in 2001, they beat Gothenburg and Gibbon before losing to North Bend in the C1 title game. The younger Johansson went on to play for Nebraska, where she set records for assists and minutes played in 2005 and was named honorable mention All-Big 12. She's now the women's basketball coach at Hastings College. Centura has produced two other girls' state track champions. Amy Fries won the 100 meters in 99, and Danny Knott captured the 400 in 2002. Freeze finished her career with six total state track medals, while Knott collected seven. On the basketball floor, Ashley Schneider was a three-time All-Stater from 2004, or 2002 to 2004, averaging over 20 points per game over those three years and leading the Centurions to state in each season. Volleyball star uh, Emily Krolikowski was All-State in 16 and 17 and also led Centur to state in each of those years. In the end, though, I think I have to go with the Husker record setter and name Gina Johansson as the greatest Centura High girl athlete of all time. And that wraps up our trip to Howard County. Until next time, follow us on Twitter, where our handle is at SuitUpVarsity. Or check out our newly spruced up webpage at SuitingUpVarsity.org. There we have links to our Twitter nominations for the greatest athletes at each Nebraska school, a link to our curated list of Nebraska high school sports history films on YouTube, uh, a list of school songs, a list of all our episodes, uh, the 1931 state tournament bracket, uh, and lots of other things you might enjoy. We hope to hear from you soon. And if you like this podcast, take time to rate us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your podcasts. It helps others to find our show. Or better yet, share one of our episodes on Twitter or Facebook or other social media where you're a big influencer. Help other Nebraska sports fans find our podcast. You can also at suitingupvarsity.org find a link to our Patreon uh, where we have a lot of great fans who are helping to support not only our podcast but our Twitter feed uh, and our efforts uh, to write a new history book about Nebraska high school sports. Uh, you can you can support us for as little as a dollar, uh, and lots of great Nebraska sports fans have gotten involved there. Uh, one thing you can do there that, that some people have taken advantage of, uh, for $25, you can get uh, everything we have on your high school sports history. Uh, we'll send it all to you. That That's a great thing for booster clubs who are maybe trying to improve and, and make uh, all-inclusive the history they have uh, posted outside their gyms. Uh, 
So that, that's a great thing for schools you might uh, consider, and that's on our Patreon, uh, like I said, for $25. Well, this has been Suiting Up Varsity, Episode 41, written and produced by me, Greg Mays, technical and research assistance by my brothers Tate Mays and Trin Mays, helpful audio advice and encouragement from Chris Shukai, and as always, dedicated to Jerry Mathers, the godfather of Nebraska high school sports history and the inspiration for this podcast. Suiting Up Varsity is the anchor show of the Nebraska Varsity Network. Copyright 2021.